right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. What's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson. With me is Nick Springer. Ah. Well, that's what you would have been doing if you were in Allen Fieldhouse on Friday night. <laughs> Because uh, that environment, absolute bananas, and what a game that was! Kansas beats Connecticut, sixty-nine to sixty-five. The the, you know, it already feels long enough when when a game happens Saturday and then we don't get to talk about it again until yeah. Monday. Like it already yeah. feels long enough away. When it happens Friday, it feels like that was a yes. month ago by this point. Well, then you think about all the crap that happened on Saturday <laughs> with the bowl with the hip covered championships, and yeah. then Sunday with the eighteen-hour bowl selection show. Yeah. That was completely stupid. Having to wait Sunday night football. Sunday night football for the Chiefs, and then just misery and pain. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to. I wanted to take a long walk off a short pier last night. Well, we're gonna get plenty into KU's bowl game. We're gonna get into KU UConn. We got Chiefs talk. We got the transfer portal opened up today in college football. We'll talk about the college football playoff too. Plenty of KU basketball talk throughout the show here, and some audio from Bill Self and Lance Leipold coming later in the show. We're brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. Let's start right there with the bowl game that was announced yesterday. Kansas is going to the guaranteed rate bowl. Yeah. Which is the uh, bowl in Arizona. It's played at the stadium of the Arizona Diamondbacks. It'll be on a baseball field. I believe they bring in an actual football stadium. I think they, though. I, I think they roll it out. So you don't have to worry about the you know, random dirt somewhere that somebody's going to like scrape their elbow up on. Yeah. Uh, this was the former bowl game. It, it's not at the same place and it's not the same sponsor, but it's the same bowl like, I don't know, like, it, it's, okay, for instance, you know how the Baltimore Ravens used to be the the Cleveland Browns, right? Yes. So the Browns moved to Baltimore, and then they became the Ravens. Okay. This bowl is that, but it, it was the Insight Bowl at one point, and then it became something else, and then it became maybe the Cheez-It Bowl, and now it's I just the, the guaranteed right Pop-Tarts Bowl. The, the Cheez-It, they, there's so much movement, it's, it's insane. <laughs> the Pop-Tarts Bowl... Wasn't that didn't, that used to be the Camping World Bowl? Yes, and then it wasn't it the Cheez-It Bowl. Then at one point, uh, it too? might be. I don't know. I think there still is a Cheez-It Bowl, but it's in Florida now. So I don't know. This is all what? sorts of confusing. Nonetheless, this used to be the Inside Bowl, which is what <laughs> Kansas won the last time they won a bowl game in 2008 against mm, Minnesota. Okay, you were supposed to be playing a Big Ten school. However, there was some wonky stuff that happened with some of the bowls. Some of yeah. the tie-ins didn't totally happen, and you're going to be playing UNLV, who went nine and four, just lost to the Mountain West Championship. To Boise State. Yeah, absolute chaos, pandemonium. Nobody knew what was going on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the ACC was screwing around because they were mad that Florida State got <laughs> left out. So then that like co- created a domino like effect. Five of, hours like, for some of those. You know, West Virginia gets traded to a different bowl. Yeah, there was all kinds of crazy, you know, just insane shenanigans happening with the Bulls. This is probably one of the wildest sort of bowl selection Sundays Ever. I don't know. I mean, it was just chaos. It didn't, nobody seemed to know what was going on it at all. It was chaos. Uh, now, there certainly is a big part of the fan base that is unhappy with this, This, yeah. uh, I guess, I don't know, announcement or, or selection, I guess might be the way of putting it. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I kind of go back and forth. On that. On one hand, you made a bowl game. Just be happy. Just celebrate. Enjoy the bowl game. Whatever. Yeah. Agreed. I do understand the travel is far from ideal. You're playing the day after Christmas. So, I mean, if you want to go do the whole bowl experience, you might have to travel on Christmas. Now, the beauty of this game being a night game on the 26th is that you can leave the morning of the 26th. If that, you wanted is, to do that. Right. Yeah. But flights are very, very expensive out there. Yep. So, that sucks. And it's obviously not in driving distance. Um, so, all those oh, man, things stink. Could, I mean, technically, anything's in driving distance. I guess. But... Then you're having to leave, what, uh, Christmas Eve or something like that? Yeah, depending on where you're leaving from. It also sucks. You have to play UNLV. Not from a standpoint anything against UNLV. They're a good team. But it sucks because you play them in week three of the regular season next year. That's what I'm mad about. Yeah, that that you like playing teams that you're not going to play very often, right? Yes. Uh, That's kind of the cool of it, cool part of it. Um, And and I also saw a good amount of KU fans, you know, complaining, being like, uh, why were we picked for this bowl? Okay, let me, let me just take you through the math because because this is technically a lower bowl than the Liberty Bowl, right? It technically is, but like theoretically, this is actually the best bowl, quote unquote, that Kansas should be in if you're just going by order of like. Okay, I get it that the bowl games are not tied into what you finished in conference, and if they were, Kansas technically finished tied seventh, eighth place by the head-to-head in the Big Twelve. Now we know that's stupid because. It's unbalanced schedules, and you could argue KU had the hardest schedule of any Big 12 team. Yeah. But realistically, let's let's throw the conference names out the record or out the uh, door. If you were just doing the conference by power rankings, it would go one Texas. Yeah. Two would be Oklahoma. Yes. Three, four, and somewhere. Well, three. I mean, Oklahoma State beat Kansas. So three would be Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State three. And they were in the yeah. Big 12 title. Four would be Kansas State. Yeah. And five would be Kansas. Probably, is that yeah. correct? And then I six, mean, Kansas State beat six right? Iowa State. I would six, think. probably Iowa State. Maybe West Virginia. I mean, West Virginia's schedule is soft, but they still won eight I, games. So I honestly just Texas Tech. Whatever. I just forget West Virginia exists. Yeah, to be honest. No, so so whatever it is. So either way, even if you think Kansas is fifth there, which I I can understand the argument for being like, oh, but they should have beat Kansas State and they should have beat Oklahoma State and blah, but they didn't. So you can't with the same record or worse record as those put them ahead of them. And so if you're acknowledging they're fifth. Let's go through the order of the bowls. Okay, Texas and New Year's Six. The top bowl at that point, Oklahoma, is the Alamo Bowl. Okay, they took Oklahoma. The next bowl is the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Okay, they took Kansas State, which, yes, I, I wanted Kansas to be in the Pop-Tarts Bowl, and, and I was hoping they were, but you have to respect that decision to pick Kansas. Kansas State had the same record as you and beat you. If you wanted to be in the Pop-Tarts Bowl, don't drop a punt. Don't drop a pick six. You know what I mean? And then yep. um, the next bowl on the list was the Texas Bowl, and, and that too would have been great if KU was in. But guess what? Oklahoma State was in the Big 12 title, and they beat you. If you didn't want Oklahoma State to be picked in front of you in a bowl, don't turn the ball over twice in the second half. Don't have a myriad of the mistakes you had over the course of that game to lose that game. So then the next up in the bowl picks is Liberty Bowl. But Kansas was never going to go back to the Liberty Bowl. I don't know if the Liberty Bowl would have wanted Kansas back because the bowl games like to pick different teams year to year. And Kansas didn't want to... You know, go back to the same bowl game the, the very next year, especially after some of the travel issues on top of Which, it. Which, by the way, that would have stunk. By the way, it ended yeah. up being Memphis. It's a, it's, How stupid it's a home is that? game for Memphis. That's that is literally so where they stupid. play their home games. So, you're I mean, glad you, you, you want to be that. mad about UNLV and KU. Memphis is, yeah. dead. they're playing another home game. So, Why? once you have crossed all those off the list for, I think, very valid reasons, the next bowl up is the guaranteed rate bowl. Yeah, I am. So not, I don't think this was because I saw some people being like, KU got screwed or this is an injustice. It's not. It's I not. am mad for different reasons. The guaranteed rate bowl is the bowl that I kind of expected Kansas to be in all along. Yeah. And I don't care about that. Like, And I've stated many, many times throughout the course of the season, the bowl doesn't really matter to me, to be quite honest with you.
like the 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 prestige of the bowl, unless it's a New Year's Six bowl. Okay, sweet. I don't really care. Okay. Yeah, but Pop Tarts. <laughs> Pop Tarts would have been fun just because it's for the meme. Right, that would have been right. funny. But I don't care about eating that. the mascot. I, I yeah. don't. I don't care about any of that. What I do care about is playing a team that you're already gonna play in like eight months. Well, nine this, months. I again. You know, I'm gonna actually look up if this used to be the Cheez It Bowl because if this was still the Cheez It Bowl, it'd be wouldn't awesome. you be so much no, more exactly. pumped up? It'd be awesome. Isn't that kind of funny? Yes. Just by the nature of the sponsor, like guaranteed rate. That just sounds like so. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not mad about like the guaranteed rate. I'm fine with that. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think, you know, there's certainly bones to pick with the fact that oh, it's the 26. The timing of the bowl is not very good. Like, it's tough for travel for a lot of KU fans. Oh, it was the Cheez It Bowl. It was. No, why can't it still be the Cheez It Bowl? Here's <laughs> here's the iteration. It began in 1989. Copper Bowl until 1996. Then yeah. 97. It was the Insight Bowl. Okay. Until actually insight.com bowl till 2001. Oh, and then wow. just the insight bowl, they dropped the dot com till 2011. <laughs> what what happened to uh, insight.com? 2012 and 2013, it was the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. Oh, that would have been awesome. would have been good too. I would have loved that. 2015, it became the Cactus Bowl. I do remember the Cactus Bowl. 2018, 2019, the Cheez It Bowl, and it's been the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. This will be the third, well, second time technically. Well. That sucks. Anyway, because can we, can we appeal to be cool. like, can you Take give us like Cheez It Bowl? Gear, even though it's KU's. I don't care about the name. I don't care about the name of the bowl. I don't care about the bowl. That's not. I, I, I care. care about the name. I care about the fact that you're playing a team you're gonna play again in nine months. That's so dumb. Like that's so stupid. And it's a Big Ten bowl. Like, and there's yeah. Big Ten teams that could have played. And it would have made it for a cool story. Like if you play Wisconsin, you have the light bulb bowl. If you play Northwestern, it's the Travis yeah, Koff bowl. I, yeah, if you play I, yeah, Minnesota, I, you have the Austin Booker Gage Keys bowl. You know? I, yeah, I I don't understand that at all. Like I don't I don't get it. And again, it's not a. It's not a disrespect to UNLV. You know, I don't want UNLV right. fans coming to me. No, they're good oh, teams. we're UNLV. First of all, UNLV fans don't exist. They have like three, I think. <laughs> Second of all, I'm not. That's not a knock against UNLV. It's just the fact that you're already going to play them. And to me, part of the appeal of bowl games is playing teams you're not going to play. Except you are going to play them. Yeah. So that sucks. Yep. Two two of your next four games, you will watch KU football. We'll be against UNLV. So, yeah, that's uh, stupid. That's deal. But at the end of the day, but I'm just happy they're in a bowl game. I'm not as con- no, I'm not traveling to the game. So again, I can, I can understand like if you are traveling, having to deal with that. I will say, I think Phoenix is a cool city, and there's stuff to do there, and uh, it'll be warm weather. So you know, that's something I always look for for bowl games. So yeah, and it is what it is. UNLV is a good team, but from the perspective of wanting to go nine and four and win. Pretty good draw here. Yes. Pretty good draw for Yeah, there, there's two sides to this. I, I think this lessens the chance if I mean, you win I mean, that you had... finish ranked, but it also increases the chance that you can win. I mean, what? You've had like four nine-win seasons in the entire history of K football at this point? It's five or six. Yeah. Yeah. So would be a big now you have a chance to go to go add to that. So yep. that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, overall, uh, I'm mad about the UNLV thing. I don't really care about the guaranteed rate bulls thing. Like, I'm, I, like that, that's where I thought K was going to be with how things – shook out you know it's just i mean it's just luck of the draw man it really is so that's whatever but annoyed however go be nine and four yeah no i i just you know attack it it's a cool opportunity uh bowl games are always fun let's not complain all right kansas wins basketball friday night 69 to 65 against connecticut top five matchup between the jayhawks and the huskies and it was a very kind of odd game. Like, Kansas comes out, and it felt like they were dominating early. At one yep. point, I think it was 38-26 in the first half. Yeah. Like, two minutes left. And then they closed on a 5-0 run, which, and that doesn't really – I don't know. Can, can you even have a run if it's 5-0? That's two possessions, really. But 
That's that, a good point. At what point does it become a run? I, I almost feel like it has to be at least 7-0. Seven, you know? Six or seven. Because that's three possessions. A run is... Six, yeah. though, even is... You hit a three, made a stop, and hit a three. Is that really a run? That's it could be. Three possessions. mini run. Okay. Anyway, um, they, they had that little 5-0 spurt at the end of the half, and it, it kind of felt like, is okay, maybe they should be up more, but they're, they're playing pretty well here. And then the second half, you just, I mean, uh, first half of the second half, you, you couldn't score. They come back, they get a lead, but then a, a final seven minutes of the game or so, somewhere around there, under eight timeout, KU was was excellent in executing, hit some shots, really played well the final stretch of that game. And then they, they kind of had to survive the last two minutes with some stuff that happened around the game. But, you know, overall, this is now their marquee win. And yeah. it feels like we've been able to say that for like three straight weeks, from Kentucky to Tennessee to now beating Connecticut. Um, it, it's important to win these games, obviously, from a standpoint of like building a resume and showing what you are. But like that to me was, was most uh, the biggest part about it was – if you lost the game, it didn't change the fact that you're a top 10 team or that you're a really good team. Nope. But it certainly would start make you feeling like, okay, they're good, but are they are they in that top tier of teams? Are they in the elite tier of teams? Are they on that second tier? They can still win a title, but maybe you're not in that top tier. And I think you showed in this game that you're there. I mean, they're number two now in the AP poll once again. So, I mean, just all around game. Kevin McCuller hitting yeah. big threes. So cool for KJ Adams, what he did and, and what that performance, I think, probably meant. And you see Bill Self in the video in the locker room after. Uh, I thought Hunter Dickinson was really good. Obviously, it helps to go 9 of 14 from three. But it was good to see them be able to go off from three in an important game. Yeah, I mentioned on Friday that I thought KU would win if Kevin McCuller ended up being the most important player on the floor. And he was just yeah. that. I mean, he was awesome. I mean, an incredible game from Kevin McCuller, and you have to think that he's now playing himself into legitimate NBA draft consideration, and, and it, depending on who you talk to or who you read, possibly even a, a first-round type situation for Kevin McCuller, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, if, but, he'll, again, he'll have to continue that level of play, I think, throughout the course of the season to, to, to ensure that. But he was phenomenal. Uh, Kansas, uh, a really great game. And like you alluded to, Tristan Newton, man, that dude. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh. <laughs> What's stupid about it is, like, I can't even really be that mad because he was just blindly chucking threes with a hand in his face with a half second on the shot clock, couldn't even see the rim, and they're just going in. It was so dumb. I mean, just the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. It was ridiculous. I mean, UConn, in the first half, especially early in the first half, they, they looked like they'd never run an offensive set in their entire lives, and yet they would just get it to Newton with one second left, and he hit a three. It was so dumb. But you know, K did a good job of keeping their foot on the on the gas pedal and and not letting that you know really affect them too much. I don't think. And then yeah, Hunter Dickinson was great. Donovan Klingon fraud fraud alert. Fraud, wow. Fraud alert. Wow. I'm issuing a fraud alert okay. for Klingon. Well, I don't know who deserves more of a fraud alert, Ed or Klingon, because Ed goes and loses Edie to do? Northwestern. Yeah, but, but he had a great game. I think. Him specifically. Yeah, yeah, he had a great game. So I think he's a fraud, but Klingon's more of a fraud. Okay. I think. So uh, yeah, but. Fantastic game for Kansas. Kevin McCuller was awesome, uh, which was really great to see. And then, you know, in the second half, the way Kansas responded, right, to UConn kind of pushing back, that's what you want to see, especially at home, right? Like you, you like UConn pushes them around a little bit and get and takes a lead, and Kansas comes right back. The crowd keeps them in it, and they come back to get a big win. So really, really impressive performance from Kansas. Uh, and uh, like you said, now becomes one of their marquee wins for the season. And you look at what KU has played in a non-conference compared to some other schools, what they played. I mean, we talked about it. 
UConn coming in, their strength of schedule was like, what, 340 mm-hmm. coming in against against Kansas. Uh, they had played Texas, I think, and that was basically their only actual real game they played. So this is there's no question that this Kansas team is, is now battle-tested at this at this point. And they still have some some games coming up in non-con as well that are going to test them as well. You know, Missouri, obviously, this weekend. And then the Indiana game. Now, Indiana yeah. seems like they stink. Playing on the road against a Power 5. That sucks, Mark gonna Cuban. going to be juiced up for you 11 a.m. Like, that you never sucks, know. Mark Cuban. Hey, by the way, his, his investment in Mackenzie and Baco has not been paying off. <laughs> Alleged investment. Alleged investment. I think. Have you seen Mackenzie and Baco's stats? Yeah, isn't he like 20% from yeah, three? he is uh, really struggling. So, uh, yeah, and then the other thing is, I, I, I had texted this to you after the game. Bill Self legitimately it's ran 15% a, from three. <laughs> he oversold it. Uh, I mentioned this to you after the game. Bill Self legitimately ran a six-man rotation. Yes. Which is absolutely mind-boggling that he did that. Uh, and he had some interesting comments about that that we'll get to later on the show about how he had felt that media timeouts are longer this season than they had been previously, and he, that that maybe makes it to where having guys not play as many minutes is less important, which, like, I guess sort of, but, like, the, my, my, my response to that when I thought about it is, like, well, 36 minutes of playing is 36 minutes of playing. It doesn't matter, really, if you get an extra 30 seconds. I, I don't know. I, I don't Maybe it does. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. But uh, that was interesting. So, yeah, I don't know. On one hand, it's like that's. I think that's a little bit concerning that we're down to a six-man rotation in December, December first. But on the other, if those guys are able to handle it, and if those guys can can take care of business, and that's how it's going to be, then I guess it's fine. But I have but see. I don't think that's I have that some new. concern. I don't think that's that new. You go back to the Missouri game they played two years ago in Allen Fieldhouse. It was a six-man rotation. Yeah. I, I think just for the games but, that matter, he wants to tighten it up. I, I think you you look back, like, they're going to play UMKC on Tuesday. It'll expand back out. Well, obviously, yeah. You're not going to play six guys for mm-hmm. UMKC, I would hope. If you, if you have to, if you have to, you have more more problems again. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I have some concerns about that or some questions about that because, again, I mean, Big 12 play, it is night in, night out. You're playing tough opponents. I mean, the Big 12 has 20 teams in the top 25 in net rankings that came out or whatever. You know they have they have ten thousand teams yeah. in the top in the top twenty and whatever. So the point being, I don't know that you're gonna be able to get away with that night in and night out of conference play. And I do have concerns about you know guys wearing down. I mean I'm not saying that's why you lost last year in the NCAA tournament to Arkansas, but Arkansas was able to play nine ten guys in that tournament game. Kansas couldn't, and they they had to you know rely on their guys. And fatigue I think has to become a factor at some point. See, I, I don't typically worry about the bench once we get to the tournament. I, I do think it's more of a regular season issue, so I, I could see that coming up. I, I, I think they'll expand the bench for the these upcoming games. I mean, that was that was such a, I don't know, high-level game and an important one that I think Bill Self just put. I mean, at the very least, we, we learned who Bill Self trusts the most. Like, Marco Jackson and Johnny Furphy clearly have the most trust. Timberlake comes in there yeah, for, like, two a minute. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's officially two minutes. And just gets pulled. But even Parker Brown only played like three minutes. Yeah, but that, that was just because Hunter Dickinson is so good and he wanted to leave him out as much as possible. But, like, yeah. I mean, that's such a strength, too, that, you know, for a guy that in Bill Self in big games likes to play his guys the most, this is a center who you can play for 35 yeah. minutes, you know, which is uh, such a beauty for him. But, yeah, Timberlake, he said today that he messed up like three straight possessions scouting report stuff so it's probably something like hey don't let this guy dribble left and And like uh, you're watching on the game and all he does is the guy dribbles left and then passes and you're like 
what did he do wrong? I didn't see anything do wrong. But little did we know, again, whatever it would be that, that he did wrong, that uh, yeah. that would be the reason there. But, yeah, they, they do need to get more bench guys getting it going. So um, I, I, I just thought it was a good sign that, like, typically if you're going to have a team come into Allen Fieldhouse and win the game, it's going to take them hitting uh, some, I guess what I would call, like, kill shots. And shots at the end of the shot clock. You've had a lot of that. Tough shots. Yeah, shots that you're like, how did that go in? Um, I always think of like the Iowa State game in I don't know 2017, 2018, the, something like was that. Was that the Tyrese Halliburton game? No, no, it was uh, it was was DeAndre Burton? Uh, I don't know. Uh, was whatever. that the game where the where K was had, like twenty three? K was up fifteen at half and then they lost. Maybe, maybe because that was twenty. It went to overtime. Seventeen, I think. It, it was somewhere around there, and, and it was just like they had a bunch of those. And and you think about it, to win an outfield, you have to hit those kill shots. And like you said, they did. Tristan Newton hit a bunch of them, and you still won the game. Yeah, and uh, you know they they mitigated your two-point advantage, which has been a thing all year long for KU. They've had such an edge on two-point offense, two-point defense. Well, in this game, it was basically balanced. KU had a slight advantage there, but they basically prevented that from being a strength for you, and you still found a way, despite one of your strengths being taken away, to win the game. So I think that's a great sign. And honestly, I thought Hunter Dickinson, like, KJ Adams and Kevin McCuller were the two MVPs of the game, and deservedly yeah. so. Yeah. I thought Hunter Dickinson, unsung hero, because... For for Hunter Dickinson, fifteen points, nine rebounds. That's like a low output. I mean, game we, for we him, talked about it on right? Friday, right? Like that was that could be what he was going to do. Yeah, you know what I mean, I guess, that's a low against, output game for against him. Klingon, right? Yeah, but considering he was going against Klingon, who is one of the best defensive centers in the country, well, fraud, and that he held Klingon to whatever who, it was, like eight points, who is a fraud. And UConn only shot like 42% on twos, not all because of him, but partially because of him. Broad. I think that was a really good Hunter Dickinson game, too. And, and I think what we're learning here, when you, whenever we're, we're talking about matchups, if KU's playing a traditional set, not that I, I don't even know, learn might be the wrong word, because I, I think this was an estimation coming into the season. Even if it is a team with an elite center, you would rather play them stylistically than a team who's going to stretch you out. Kentucky gave you problems. Marquette gave you problems. Meanwhile, against Tennessee, it was like, oh, they play a traditional center? Like, okay, you win, right? UConn, like, yeah, it was a close game because UConn's a really good team, but, you know, the style of the play wasn't a problem. So uh, the teams who have traditional centers, I, I think that's okay for Kansas. The teams who are way too small, problem for Kansas. It's the teams that are going to be able to stretch you out that are going to give KU the issues, but you didn't have to worry about that against Connecticut in this game. So uh, three pretty impressive wins. KU 7-1. and one. Things are pretty good in Lawrence right now. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Unfortunately, the uh, volleyball season came to an end for KU on Friday night. We're going to discuss that next with RCST. Four o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, we'll get back to the KU basketball talk coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We've got some more audio to come at you, too, during that portion of the show. Got to get to the uh, college football playoff transfer portal opening up today. And also we'll get to NFL Monday overreactions later this hour. But before we get into any of that, the uh, Chiefs played last night. And Who? unfortunately, they lost. They're now 8-4 on the season. 27-19, the final score as they fall to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, let's just get this out of the way right off the bat. The refs were really bad at the end of the game. Yeah. Like, next like all level. around, everything. Like, next level bad. Like, it, it like was it a stretch actually, where they missed, like, five straight calls. Yeah, it actually, like, my brain could not comprehend the final, like, two minutes. Because from, like, literally, like, two and a half minutes left in the game until the end of the game, they did not get a single call correct. No. They got every single wild. call wrong. All of them. 
They didn't get a single one right. Nothing. Nothing. It was insane. It actually was insane. Like, it was incredible. It was it was an absolute masterclass of how not to officiate. <laughs> it was insane. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't yeah. believe what I was watching. No, I, I couldn't either. I mean, it was the, the, the late hit out of bounds by Patrick Mahomes uh, was not uh, a late hit, so the Chiefs were fortunate on that one. Then you have the uh, – they called a fumble when it wasn't. They ended up reviewing it. It got overturned. I will yep. say, Isaiah Pacheco – I guess they got the Isaiah Pacheco punch They right. did, but, but there was no the angle. other guy start the fight? Well, that, that, he was, like, pushing him on the ground. The there was no angle. Like, NBA, yeah. that was what was so annoying. Chris Collinsworth kept being like, well, Isaiah Pacheco punched a guy. And they just – was they never showed a replay. And then they showed, like, this – did you did you watch it? They saw they they showed like the ridiculous sideline cam angle where like it was like half cut off and you couldn't even see. Yeah, I, it was yeah yeah. I mean it. I'm assuming he did do it. I mean otherwise I don't think they would have ejected him. But uh, there was no there was no angle on it. it was no, I, I'm not saying that he's in the in the right or anything. I'm just saying the other guy started the fight and was shoving him on the ground for it. Like he should have probably got one too. He could have added that to it. Anyway, yeah, just, uh, then yeah, there know. was the missed pass interference on the MVS play. Um, oh no, that was a good call. You thought that was a good call? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> uh, some people thought that there could have been PI on the hail mary. I I thought that one was fine. There, yeah, that stuff happens every hail mary. Also, you know what I mean? Well, they also missed the the play where MVS got out of bounds. It seemed like he yeah, that too. They messed that up. Where yes, yeah. <laughs> so like it was it was just a uh, for both sides. Like it was that's horrible. not to me why the Chiefs. I lost do the think game. if the Chiefs would have won, mm-hmm. that like had come back, forced overtime, won the game. I think that would have legitimately started World War Three. Because the narrative is that the Chiefs are so yeah. fortunate. The refs are always in their bag. The refs always bail out the Chiefs. <laughs> if the Chiefs had won that game, I think World War Three would have started. Well, good thing we don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> so yeah, what you're saying is it's actually you know helpful for the world. The Chiefs should be commended for yes. losing that game. Agree. Um, listen, even even if they get the MVS like pass interference, what about the red zone offense to, has made you think well, that yeah, it's a certainty I mean, they, they're going to score and then get a two point conversion? Yeah, get a two point conversion. As well, mm-hmm. so, and that's been a problem uh, kind of all year long. Like they have not been a good red zone offense. No, uh, they lost well, that, for a bunch listen, of reasons. The red zone offense cost them the game. Yeah, they had they had two, two trips, field goals, two, two field goals. They got half. Mahomes kept getting sacked. Yep, and then they missed the two point conversion which, earlier. Which, by the way, could have come back. But yep, there is nothing that I hate more. Nothing. I mean, I just really, really hate mm. nothing. Then having to sit there and watch a game where Patrick Mahomes. The greatest player to ever play football ever in the history of the world gets two possessions in a half of football. That drove me up. That drives me insane. I hate it. I hate it, it so much. If that happened to the Bills in a playoff game, would they change the rule and be like, no, you're you're allowed to get oh, one extra possession? Dude, with no I mean, time. it's just sickening. It's so smart, obviously, by the Packers or by whoever, whatever team is playing the Chiefs. It just, it just drives me insane. And I, I think I have to give a kudos here to Patrick Mahomes himself because – he, he seems unaffected by stuff like that, right? Like, he's able to still come out and execute. If I were Mahomes, I would be absolutely losing my mind. I'd be like, I would be just, I, I wouldn't be able to contain myself. Like, like that just sucks, man. You're the best player in the world, and you get the ball two times in an entire half. Two. Two times. I mean, just, it, it, it makes my blood pressure rise just thinking about it. It's so infuriating. And it's... I mean, like I said, it's it's the right thing to do if you're the opposing team. I mean, the, that was the Packers, to me, played an A-plus game literally across the board. I don't think they could have Jordan played Love any better. Jordan Love is good. Jordan yes. Love is good. Yeah. I, I don't think the Packers could have played any better. Jordan Love was fantastic. Their run game was good with A.J. Dillon when it needed to be. 
all of their young receivers. They hit the 50-50 plays, all, right? The all deep of ball their, in the fourth and one, the touchdown to Christian Watson. Yeah. All of their young receivers made plays. It, it, it was it was it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible what the Packers did. That was perfectly executed. And 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 like it didn't help the fact that the Chiefs had players getting hurt, dropping left and right on defense that I think definitely impacted the game. But just an incredible, incredible game plan, execution, everything for the Packers. It, it was it was insane. And to that end, I mean, the fact that the Chiefs had multiple chances in the second half to still go win the game, I think speaks to the Chiefs as well. The fact that you had a team at home playing by far their best game ever, and you're down four or, or down five in the third quarter and fourth quarter with multiple times with possessions to go try to take the lead. And what sucks is the Chiefs couldn't the Chiefs couldn't do that. That's yeah. what sucks. Yeah, it did. Yeah, because it, it is you've you've gotten it's funny for the longest time as a Chiefs fan you're watching the game and if your team's you know down late it's like oh how are they going to mess this up or if you're up late and the other guy has the ball it's like oh no like here comes Peyton Manning and here comes Tom Brady right here comes Ben Roethlisberger whatever and it is switched it's a slow process like at first it, it took some time to get used to having that guy where every time you needed that big play where anytime you're down late whether it's by a touchdown or three points or two, whatever, it was like, oh, Patrick Mahomes will get it done. Yeah, and I think and even, we finally come around to that. Like most people have come around to that. That like you have trust he's going to get it done. So when it doesn't happen, like it did in this game on the last two drives, it's, yeah. it's almost appalling. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's shocking. Yeah, it is shocking because you're right. Down twenty four nineteen. There's like six minutes left in the game. You're thinking, if the Packers punt here, the game is over. Like the Chiefs are going to go win, and then they did, and it didn't happen. Right. And then, even, and then what's crazy is then the Chiefs even still got another chance after that because yeah. they held him to a field goal. So, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. And Mahomes, again, was magical. And the the wide receiver situation is is still uh, it's tough. pretty pretty not great. Yeah, there was a lot um, of uh, conversation about who was at fault for the Mahomes interception on the ball to Scott yeah, Moore. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think that might have been on both. To be honest, I think there might be some nuance there. Yeah. But it's just like the plays where, like, like the deep ball to MVS. Why does he always turn around instead of just run like a normal person and catch the ball? You know, yeah. like things well, like that. What's, what's annoying about Rashi that is Rice not getting routes downfield despite having a breakout game. Yeah. What, what's annoying about the MVS stuff is, to your point, like Mahomes does such a great job of throwing of throwing guys open, but it only works if the guy runs to the open spot that he throws it to. Instead of running towards the safety, run away from the safety. He's not on your team. You're not. Why are you trying to go run towards him? No. Yeah, it's annoying. And and something else I mentioned that is really annoying is just the fact that you look at the Packers and they had four or five first or second year receivers all make critical plays in the game, and then you look over at the Chiefs and to your point, while Rushy Rice, when he got the ball in his hands, didn't make some good plays, he was really nullified down the field. Sky Moore wasn't able to really do anything. And then MBS obviously didn't do anything either. So the young the young players for the Packers all made plays. I mean, they had dudes I'd never even heard of who made plays. Some some thing named Heath made a play. I don't even know who that is. Well, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, the guy who had the one play Tucker where he like Kraft. juked by a guy. Yeah, and they roll out Tucker Kraft the the at tight end and he and he looks like he looks like Prime Kelsey out there a couple plays. So that's the most infuriating part is you you, you you literally, in the same game, can see the dichotomy between a team that has young players that were able to step up and make plays and a team that has young players that were not able to do the same. Yeah, I think that's what it is for me because clearly the Packers are 
They're trending in the right direction. They've won, what, four, five, five, six, whatever it is. And they have a young quarterback. They've got those young receivers. They got the youngest team in the league. Yes. They, and they look meshing. like they're primed they're for you know, a chance to maybe right. be really good over the next couple of years. And that's what – that's what because, like, at some point you have to draw the line in the sand and be like, okay, I'm expecting this to get better or I'm expecting this to get fixed. At some point you draw the line in the sand and you're like, maybe this is just what they are for the season. For instance, last year that type of stuff did happen for the Chiefs. Remember George Karloftis? Like, the the first half of the season he didn't, you know, have a ton of sacks. Right? Last half of the season George Karloftis was really good for the Chiefs. Um, you look at, like, uh, the two corners they brought in in the later rounds after Trent McDuffie with Williams and – um, Watson, Watson. Yeah. and they like specifically with Williams like Williams wasn't really playing much in the first half of the season he had a big second half like Brian Cook didn't play much well, in the first half of the season he had a big that, second half of the last season that's what's so infuriating about this wide receiver situation is you've literally hit yes. on all of your young players at every other position every other position that you've drafted young players it's been a plus plus it's been awesome and then it's just the wide receiver is just uh, I don't know I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But but like that's what it looks like. So and it's I, not even that. And Rashi Rice, I think, is is doing really good comparatively speaking to other mm-hmm. rookies at wide receiver. But I guess that's where I'm at. When when I when you look back to last year with the Chiefs, where their rookies started to play better in the second half. When you look at what the Packers are doing, the team you just went up against, and then you look at the Chiefs and the young receivers are not coming together. I think I am at that point uh, of the line in the sand. Well, the receiver, just, it, it's not going to get better. It's just mind boggling that you can be so good at drafting all these positions on the O line. On the defense, on the D line, at the linebacker position, at the in your secondary, and yet the one position you can't figure out is wide receiver, and oh, and you have Mahomes and Andy Reid, so you'd think that that would be the position to be able to figure out the best, mm-hmm. and instead it's the opposite. Uh, so I I don't know I don't even know, I don't even know how to explain that it's it's unfortunate, uh, but you know me being me being uh, extremely delusional I think the Chiefs are fine-ish. I think they're fine-ish. It's just a different recipe well, that listen, they have to do dude, it. Dude, you can't be the one seed and host the AFC title game every single no, year. Okay? No, so, and, and okay, to be one clear, year, I saw some it. people being like, say goodbye to the one seed. It's still very much yes, possible. No, it is. They have the to Ravens, start playing better. The Ravens still have to play in the division, in the AFC North. Well, they they have a tough schedule to finish. And, okay, so so obviously there's the Jaguars are, are playing well, okay, tonight. But the problem is three. The, the, the problem is that the Chiefs are 8-5. and five. You're expecting them to lose the Bills game. Yeah. that That's a bit of an issue. You're playing the Bills, a desperate team who has to win that game, and they're coming off a bye week. The Chiefs yes. are not going to win that game. That's right. If you lose that game, you're probably not the one seed. Right. But the Ravens still have to play uh, the Rams, which they should win that. But then they're at Jacksonville, losable game. At San Francisco, I think they'll be underdogs. Miami at home, losable game. And then uh, the Steelers at home. Like, they could very easily lose two of those games. The Steelers will find a way to win, I think. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So they could very easily lose two that of those Steelers games. Steelers-Cardinals game yesterday was a disaster, was. though. And then you you look at the, the – with Jacksonville, like, I don't know, they should win tonight, you would think, playing at home against the uh, Joe Burrow-less Bengals. Um, but then they have to go at Cleveland, which, I don't know, like Cleveland with Joe Flacco, they should be able to win that game. But could it be one of those games that the, the Browns' defense just takes over and – uh, maybe Trevor Lawrence has a bad game or something. Then they play the Ravens. That could lo- lose a game. Like at Buccaneers, uh, they should beat the but Panthers. I just the I don't know. circling back to the fact that nobody in the AFC scares me. Like I still feel like the Chiefs are the favorites to make the Super Bowl out of the AFC. 
Well, don't. Maybe, I, I mean, I understand I have extreme Chiefs colored glasses on. But, isn't the I mean, whole idea of having the best quarterback in the NFL that you should be able to go, like, that going on the road in the playoffs is not a death sentence? No, it shouldn't be. You know, when you, I when mean, the you, Chiefs haven't ever done it with Mahomes. I know, they but never had to. You, when Alex Smith had to go play at New England and Tom Brady <laughs> in the division round, is like, really? <laughs> Are, is Tom Brady going to lose at home to Alex Smith? It's like, no, probably not. And they didn't. But it's like you have you have the guy. Like you shouldn't 100%. be fearful of going on the road. Ideally, you'd be at home, but you shouldn't be fearful of it. So 100%. I am worried about. I I think at this point the receivers. It's not going to be a thing that's fixed. The formula changes for how they win in the playoffs. It's a much tighter margin for error because in the past you could win a playoff game where you were negative in turnover differential, or where you had a game where you messed up in the red zone because some of the other stuff came about. The Chiefs are no longer at that point. They are like a lot of other teams in the NFL. You will probably lose a playoff game if you're negative in turn- turnover differential or if you have a game like last night where you have too many red zone issues. They just have to be good in those small situations, but if they can do those things, they can still win the Super Bowl. Just much tighter margin for error. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Let's get to some uh, college football talk with the playoff and the transfer portal opening up today on KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting around in a studio all day, I feel loose and limber thanks to Massage Envy and their total body stretch service. If you have aches from a day at the office, working out, maybe a round of golf, Massage Envy can help. All you need to do is relax and breathe deep during the stretches, and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind. And they also have rapid tension services and advanced skin care. Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th in Black Bob in Aletha. So some news from the KU women's soccer team who has hired a new coach. Obviously, Mark Francis retired after a couple decades working in the helm of KU and having a, a very successful career. And uh, we, we definitely thought that this would be a an attractive job opening in, in yeah. college soccer yeah. because Rock Chalk Park is such a beautiful facility. And there is a big contingent, like a nice, nice I guess, local recruiting base of uh, in the Kansas City area from the soccer perspective. Um, even then, this seems like a absolute home run hire. Uh, Nate Lee is the new head coach of the KU women's soccer team. He was previously the head coach at Xavier for the last seven seasons and had a record of 82-37-19. and 19. So that's a Sheesh. 66 winning percentage. He made the last four NCAA tournaments at Xavier. He uh, was part of three Big East coaching staff of the year honors in 2019, 2021, 2023. They've been top 25 in the RPI the last three seasons. They uh, have an active 28-match unbeaten streak in conference play in the Big East. Um, they set the school record for wins in a season in 2019. Uh, they had the second most wins in a school in a season in 2021, and uh, they tied for the third most in program history in 2022 and 2023. So, like everything you look at, this guy had a ton of success at Xavier. Now, I I'm not as much in the know from the national perspective about the women's soccer, about like how difficult or how much of a, uh, I don't know, or how good of a job that is at Xavier. Like, is, is that one where it's, yeah, there's a good recruiting pipeline. Is it one that's tough to win there? I don't totally know, but either way, that is a really good resume, really good track record. So yeah. that's really exciting for the KU women's soccer team. Yeah. I mean, like I said, even without necessarily knowing too deep what's going on in that conference in soccer, that's that's still very very impressive numbers, and uh, he's not very old either, right? So this is another situation. No, young where, guy. You know, KU. I think you mentioned it. KU's had just four coaches in the history of of their women's soccer program, and so this is probably a situation where they're thinking long term here with a a young head coach like like this. So 
seems like a really, really great hire. And and to your point, we kind of touched on it. You know, when you consider the facilities that Kansas has to offer with Rock Chalk Park here in Lawrence, and you consider the tradition and, and some of the success they've had previously with Mark Francis, this would seem like a, a really, really quality job uh, here in Lawrence. You know, I, I think it's pretty clear that Travis Goff and this athletic department have shown a lot of support for uh, those those sports, those uh, non-revenue sports or those uh, Olympic sports, and have really invested in that. And this would be a great place to do it, right? And you look at the, you look at the Big 12 Conference in women's soccer – so BYU just played in the national championship, actually, uh, or national the final four. I, th- I think maybe it's the final four of the weekend. Uh, so they're they're going to be a, a really tough team in conference. But you lose Texas, you lose Texas, and you look around the rest of the conference. West Virginia has normally been pretty good. TCU's been been really good as of late. But this is still a situation similarly to when you look at other sports around for KU. That why can't KU be a a top five, top three team in the conference going forward with the facilities that they have? with the athletic department support that they have, and with Nate Lee, who seems like, uh, based off of his track record, that he, he knows how to win and knows how to, how to build a program. And, he, you know, this is a the, – the thing about this job is it's it's nothing like what Lance Leipold did with KU football, where you had to build from scratch. There, yeah, there's there is, a nice – There is a yeah. very, very strong foundation already there to, to build off of with what uh, Mark Francis was able to do for over 25 years as the head coach at, at here in Lawrence. So – uh, yeah, seems like a really, really great hire to your point, and certainly very, very exciting for for Kansas women's soccer and uh, bringing in an infusion of some a different perspective to the program and seeing where that to that where that can take them. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, he's only like forty four years old, something around there, because he graduated playing soccer in two thousand. He also uh, before Xavier was at uh, Miami, where they went fifty four twenty six and five. And then he went to Cincinnati, where he took them from a four-win team to an eight-win team to a ten-win. So, like everywhere he's gone, this guy has turned around programs, or or not necessarily or even elevated. turned them around, but elevated them. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a good word there. Uh, so, very exciting for the KU women's basketball or uh, women's soccer team. Excuse me. Uh, meanwhile, the transfer portal opened up today in college football, and certainly there are some big names that are out there. Feels like the quarterback position is the one with most notables. Now there are some some you know uh, big defensive players that I've seen hit the portal and stuff. Uh, Fleming, the the solid like third or fourth receiver for Ohio State, hit the portal. But the quarterbacks are the one getting the most attention today. Yeah. In addition to some of the ones we saw last week, Kyle McCord for Ohio State, which that has to signal that Ohio State like has something lined up with someone else, right? Yeah, or Ohio State was just like, hey. Yeah, we can uh, find something better. You're not good enough. Yeah. Sorry. Dylan Gabriel, which I didn't even know he had another year of play. Yeah, dude. I was talking about this off air, but I'm actually very happy to be hopefully done with the COVID crap here soon, mm-hmm. COVID year, because I just want to know. It's too complicated. You have four years plus a red shirt, right. and then you're done, okay? That's how it should be. Yeah. I don't need no six, seventh-year guys. Yeah, it's Go get a job. At this point. So some big names out there, and uh, one of the other quarterbacks who entered the portal is Jaden Maeva, and you might be wondering, who is Jaden Maeva? Jaden Maeva is the starting quarterback at UNLV. I believe their starter got hurt early in the season, and Maeva took over. Just a freshman quarterback for UNLV, and he ended up being great for them. I mean, they won nine games. He won the Mountain West Freshman of the Year Award, uh, and now he has entered the portal. So that doesn't just become interesting for, you know, what team is going to pick him up. It more becomes interesting from our standpoint. From Kansas. From, hey, you're playing them in a bowl game. You already went into this one. I, I saw some sites opened it at like a 13, 14-point line. I saw others had it around 11 and a half, 12. If they're without their starting quarterback, too, could you be 15, 16, 17-point yeah. favorites? They've also had some members of their coaching staff that have been uh, kind of hot names early on in the coaching carousel. So they may be with a, it may be a situation where 
you know, Kansas is without their regular offensive coordinator with Kolnicki leaving. It could be a situation where UNLV is without some of their uh, one of their offensive co- or is it uh, what's that guy's name? Is it the offensive coordinator that's been linked to some jobs? For uh, UNLV, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah Brendan, uh, what's his name, or Brennan? Yes, I, I'll be honest, like I, uh, Brennan Marion, Marion. Yeah. I even thought, like, if I, I have uh, confidence in Jim Zabrowski if that's the route they want to go. If they do want to go for the route of going out of, uh, like, outside of internally, he, I think, would actually make a lot of sense. <laughs> but that would be kind of interesting. I, I don't think but that's yeah. gonna happen. He actually has like head coaching. I think he has the head coaching offer at uh, UTEP or something like that. One, one of the schools. I don't remember. Yeah, so, yeah. They, well, I they, think UTEP ended up going a different direction. Okay, so I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, un- yeah. uncertainties, yep. instability and for UNLV heading into this game. Yep. And in terms of Kansas, uh, Will Huggins announced that he has entered the portal. That's the only one I've seen so far, but yeah. I feel like there the, are more to come. Probably, yeah. Now, and the, the window be, is until January, so there's a lot of time. Yeah. The key will be, are the more to come, so to speak, are they on the two deep? Are they starters? Are they guys who you expected to be on the two deep in a year or two? Yeah. Are they guys who maybe were going to be better? Like, that's the thing with Will Huggins. I always, like, I, I thought this dude was going to be really good when he came in. I mean, six seven tight end, played really well at the local area, and um, I hope he goes off somewhere and has a lot of success. It's tough when you look at the tight end depth chart, though, right? Because he he's here, and because of the COVID year, Mason yeah. Fairchild gets an extra well, year. The other part of it is, Kotelnicki was the tight ends coach. Yeah. So it makes sense maybe if you, you know, if you're looking for Something different there. Sure. Um, and, and then you look at next year, like you're still going to have Trevor Cardell and Jared Casey, Jaden Ham. Sounds like he's been very impressive uh, that, you know, what he could kind of turn into. You still have Tavita Noah for one more year. And then you look forward even after that. You still have Jaden Ham for, for more years down the road from there. And you have Carson Brune coming in and from the recruiting class who uh, sounds like, you know, uh, they visited him. He was one of the first visits they did this past week, which I found I thought was very tactically organized because guess what? He's a tight end. Like yeah. you said, Andy Kotelnicki, tight end coach gone. Uh, make sure you reaffirm that guy and re-recruit all your guys that you currently have in tow to make sure they kind of stick around and sign with you at the uh, December signing day upcoming. So yeah. that's the only one so far. Um, and again, that one more so gets classified in like it, it, it's probably not going to have a huge impact because he wasn't able to establish himself kind of on that too deep, even yeah. though I, I I was high on what he could possibly become. It just, you know, there was some injury stuff and, yeah. and stuff that didn't Well, and, you know, it's easy early in the season or in the offseason to be like, well, yeah, in the air of the transfer portal, you're going to lose some guys. It's easy to, like, say that, and then when it still happens, it's still, you know, it still sucks, right? I mean, it's still, right. you know, you don't want to see players departing the program. I mean, you hope, you hope for the best for them going forward, but it's still, you know, you don't want to see guys, a lot of guys leaving, so... Uh, to your point, we'll see if there's any other names that possibly come out about that. And, and uh, again, you do have to kind of expect it, but it's still not a fun thing. right? It's still not – you don't enjoy it when, when you have guys leaving like that, but I'm hoping the best for them going forward. And and uh, and I, I mentioned this, but, you know, from, from a scholarship standpoint for Kansas, however many guys they can add on the transfer portal really depends on how many guys end up leaving via the transfer portal. They don't have a lot of wiggle room in terms of their recruit their current class of high school recruits committed plus the guys are gonna have the roster so we'll see how uh, that shakes out for kansas yeah we will so we'll keep an eye if there's uh any other transfers coming down now the uh college football playoff was set yesterday yeah i was hoping that florida state was going to lose to louisville on saturday because it would have cleared everything up and made everything easier unfortunately that was not the case and florida state <laughs> got left out uh so what ended up happening was who would have thought that having Power five. Wait, hang on. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm four I'm hearing, teams making the playoffs. On. That would be an issue. I'm hearing the ESPN is telling us we have to take a break first before we can talk about the playoff. We gotta. 
Take a break. We gotta take a break. We gotta uh, <laughs> talk about yeah, nothing for two hours, and then we'll reveal what actually happened. No, I mean, I I I feel for Florida State fans. Like, yeah, if if Kansas was in this situation, if Kansas was in the situation Florida State was in, and they went thirteen and zero and won the you'd be pissed. The new version of the, of course you'd be pissed if you yeah. didn't make it right. Yeah, and I feel bad for them for that standpoint, and from a I don't know, from like a fairness standpoint, from a what you deserve, what you, I don't know, like most deserving standpoint, they got screwed and it sucks. From a competition standpoint, from, from the, the level of actually yeah. the the words best for. A watchability standpoint. From a watchability standpoint, from not having blowout playoff games, I think this is the right call Dude, from that standpoint. Michigan's reaction should tell you everything you need to know. There was that video of when they announced Bama, and the Michigan was oh. like, they were like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, right. So that that should tell you right yeah, there. Yeah, it really should. And, and I get it, the idea that like like a lot of people wanted to throw the hypocrisy of, oh, well, Ohio State made it with third-string quarterback in in uh, whatever that was, 2014. They also beat Wisconsin 70-0. Yeah, seriously, with, with Cardale Jones. And Cardale Jones ended up being an NFL draft pick. Like, there's something different about that. Versus Brock Glenn. Who really struggled. And even Tate Rodemaker, their backup, struggled. And, and again, going back in line with the Kansas comparison, in their world, let's say Kansas was 13-0 this year where they had to play Cole Ballard and Jason Bean. Like, Cole Ballard actually played kind of well. Jason Bean was one of the 20 best quarterbacks in college football this year. So, yeah. like, from that standpoint, it, it is different, and you have to be able to separate some things out. It sucks, and I hate it. Also, the ACC did this a bit to themselves because they were um, – I don't know how many schools voted for or how many conferences voted for and against, but part of the reason the 12-team playoff doesn't start till next year when it could have started this year was the ACC voted no on it. I didn't know that. Yeah, so wow. turns out – Well, so that's the other thing I was going to say about this. It's like, yeah, it sucks, but this is a one-off. This is never going to happen right. again because we're going to a 12-team next season. So it's like I feel bad and it, like it sucks, but it's not going to happen again. It's not right. going to happen again. Well, and and the thing with me is like, why do we, why do why are we so dismissive of oh this group of five team went went undefeated? We're fine them not being in the playoff, but we have to put in an undefeated power five team. Like I get it, it's because of the schedule. But basically, what I'm but dude, saying the there ACC sucks. is there is nothing in the criteria that says if you go undefeated, you're in. Now I you do know what agree. is the criteria. If there are injuries impacting yeah, that actually your is team. In there. That actually is written in. Yes. Like some people were like, why can you do it? It actually is written yes, in. It's literally right um, there. Now, I I think this all circles back to the idea of this is the problem with college football and their playoff. There should be a set criteria because in literally every other sport, there is if you win this, you're in the playoffs. <laughs> if you accomplish this, you're in the playoffs. And the fact that college football doesn't have that is stupid and it's a joke. Uh, at least the Division One level of FBS, like every other level of college football, FCS, D2, D3, <laughs> NAI, has that sort of thing where it's, yeah, if you win your conference, and you get the auto bid and they're whatever. they're going right? to have it. And they season. will, in a way. Uh, it, it'll, you know, in, in a way that it'll prevent this from happening, certainly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, honestly, could this actually be better for Florida State long-term? Because think about it. If they're in the college football playoff, they're playing Michigan, well, I, okay, I know where you're going with this. The problem is they drew Georgia. They did, but <laughs> so it's but, kind of a moot on. point, I think. They lose to Michigan by a lot, probably. Now they're going to lose to Georgia by just as much, though. But what if Georgia has a billion players opt out of the bowl game? I and think the classic wait, no, you're you're miscounting this because how, how we see this every year. What? There, there's a game where an SEC team 
loses a game they're not supposed to, and all the SEC fans are like, they just didn't care about the game. So maybe this could be the one. I mean, Florida I know, State man. certainly is going to be more the motivated. The way Georgia, than Georgia fans reacted to Bama sure. to lost to Bama, I think Kirby Smart has to win. Uh, maybe he certainly has to win. But I guess my, my point is, like hypothetically, if they did beat Georgia, especially if Alabama or Texas won the title, where the title winner had one loss and Florida State was undefeated, in a weird way, this could be better for Florida State because then they can claim a title. And I know that's not the same as winning a title, but like. Okay, UCF. Central you know, Florida. I guess. So I, yeah, I, don't I don't know. know. I, I am. I feel bad for them. It sucks. It's not fair. But also, from a selfish reason of watching the games, I am more excited now. Bama, because Michigan Alabama should be a much better game. Bama is going to win the playoffs. You think They're so? Win the championship. I've been saying it since October. Yeah, you didn't get on board with me at fifteen to one. That's because whose fault is I'm, that? I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not huge into gambling as much. But, okay. Uh, yeah. No, I've been saying it for a long time. Alabama is going to win the national championship. He's like, an I, feel, I feel very confident in that. I'm Derek Johnson. Let's get to our NFL Monday overreactions next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We'll get back to the KU basketball talk. And a little more on the KU football bowl game coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. We've also got some audio from Bill Self and Lance Leipold we're going to get to you coming up in the next hour of the show as well. Don't forget, you can check out anything you miss with the best of RCST podcast. Anywhere you get your podcasts brought to you by Massage Envy. It's now available at KUSports.com also. It is a Monday, so let's overreact. NFL Monday overreactions. Yeah, you know, we actually haven't had a chance to overreact really. Uh, we just had, there's been a lot going on, man. Is that going to make time. this more tame because we're not used to overreacting? Or is that gonna I think make it's going to make it more... even more insane okay. because we're going to make up for the fact that we haven't been able to do it. Uh, all right. So leading off with this, through all the games yesterday, you know, yesterday's NFL slate, it was uh, kind of bleh, right? You know, you're going into it like, okay, well, Niners-Eagles, wrong. Niners dismantle the Eagles on the road. The San Francisco 49ers, they are the undisputed best team in the NFL right now well i mean by betting odds they're the favorite right now and who am i to go against vegas i don't think this is an overreaction i mean i know they had that one like i guess slump in the middle of the season yeah i don't think it's an overreaction either i mean how could they not be the best team in the nfl they just beat the team with the best record in the nfl on their home turf and really just kind of smashed them yeah and they Christian mccaffrey looks unstoppable debo samuel is incredible Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, great it's defense. It's insane how many weapons they have. It really is. I mean, you look too like uh, the two best teams in their own conference. Eagles they beat forty-two to nineteen, and then they blasted the, the Cowboys, Cowboys forty-two to ten. Yes, I don't understand how they they're could really not good. be the best team in the league right now. Yeah. Now, does that mean they're going to win the Super Bowl? No, not necessarily. But they're yeah. the best team in the league right now. I think. Yeah. Easily. So they had that three-game losing streak in the middle of uh, October at Cleveland, nineteen seventeen, which that was a weird game. At Minnesota, 22-17, Kirk Cousins played unbelievable that game. Brock Purdy, I think, got like a concussion or something that game. And then they lost to the Bengals with uh, Joe Burrow, 31-17. So, uh, since the bye week, I mean, 4-0. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about this one, too. They beat the Jags 34-3. Yeah, they dismantled the Jags. Yeah, they're really good. I mean, it, it, I mean it's been a demolition of every team they played. It really has been. I, it's just a little bit of everything. Like, you, you talked about all the weapons that they have. Brock Purdy's been playing well as kind of the point guard distributing out to all of those weapons that they have. And the defense is is pretty gnarly. It's probably the best linebacking core in the NFL. Um, 
the the front four is unbelievable, and they, they have a litany of pass rushers, right? I mean, going out at the trade deadline and just adding another pass rusher with Chase Young, that was just almost unfair. Right now, they're number one on DVOA on offense. They're number four on defense. That's quite a combo. The only other team who's top five in both is Baltimore, who's fifth on offense, first on defense. They're kind of the inverse of what uh, the 49ers are. Yeah. I mean, to your point, though, in the like Super Bowl side of things, let's say they're playing the Chiefs in a Super Bowl rematch. I don't know. Would the Chiefs be favored just because of the Patrick Mahomes effect? Uh, I think dude, the Chiefs were slight underdogs to the Eagles. Though. I don't think the Chiefs would be favored. I don't think they would be either. So, yeah, I, th- I, I don't think, think the 49ers be favored, are the best team in the NFL. I don't NFL. think the Chiefs would be favored against the Eagles either. In the Super Bowl. I think they would be. No. This year? Yeah. I don't think so. Last year they were not. No, this year they would. For sure. But they're worse this year. The Chiefs are. I think the Eagles are worse, too. Yeah, but they still don't lose. Except for the Niners. It's coming. They're going to lose to the Cowboys. Watch. Uh, You know what? Whoa, 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 whoa. Spoiler alert. Jeez. Chill out over there. All right. Dak Prescott. We need to have it. We need that. We need to start a dialogue. This man deserves MVP consideration. Whoa. Dak Prescott. That's right. The it's guy just, that earlier in the year, I think we had this conversation where it's like, oh, how many quarterbacks would you take over Dak Prescott? And we named a bunch of them. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's one of those things that it almost sounds wrong coming out of your mouth. Does it not? Dak Prescott MVP? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't sound great. It doesn't quite roll off the tongue like Patrick Mahomes MVP. I'll say that. No, it, it really doesn't. So that's kind of what's preventing you. But. Cowboys have been really good this year. I mean, it feels like that loss to the 49ers because how much they lost by almost has dismissed them, you know? And then it was like, okay, yeah, we'll give you a chance. Good. Go beat the Eagles. And then they lose to the Eagles, right? Yeah. But they're 9-3. and three. Yeah. They're pasting almost everyone. Uh, close game the with the teams. Seahawks, but that wasn't Dak Prescott's problem. They've put up <laughs> 41 points. He has 3,200 passing yards right now with 26 touchdowns and six picks. He is tied first with Brock Purdy, interestingly enough, in uh, total say, QBR. Are you taking Brock Purdy or Dak Prescott? I'm taking Dak. In, in MVP consideration. No, I'm taking Dak. If you look at EPA per play, Brock Purdy's first, Dak Prescott is second. Mm. Okay, point Brock Purdy. But again, like, don't don't you view... I'm not saying the Cowboys don't have good weapons, because they do. I think Brock Purdy actually is, like, good. I think he's a top-12 quarterback but, in the NFL. But you know what sounds even more gross to say? Brock like Purdy MVP. MVP is Brock Purdy Yeah, MVP. I view Brock Purdy as being, like, he's a good quarterback that has maybe probably the best weapons around him in the NFL. Yeah. Whereas with Dak, I'm like, okay, you have good weapons. You probably have top 10 to 12 weapons in the NFL, and sure, you're yeah. playing really well right now. So, yeah. Yes, he does deserve to be in that conversation. He really does. Um, now, part of it, you have to beat good teams. You have to win big games. Did the Cowboys have a win against a team above 500? I don't know. Because the Seahawks so. have been tanking, and the Seahawks <laughs> are now 6 and 6. <laughs> I don't know if they do, but they blow everyone out. He's got to get some credit for that. They do blast bad teams. Okay, so the Giants, Jets, Patriots, no, no, Chargers, no, no, Rams. No. Wait, what is the Chargers record? Are they 6 and 6? No, they're like 5 and 7. Oh, okay. Uh, Giants again, no, Panthers, Commanders, no. Seahawks. So that's where it has to come. So I, I'm fine with him being in the conversation. For him to win the award, you got to start doing it against well, some of these winning teams, which he has chances to do yep, because they play Eagles at Bills and at Dolphins in their next three let's weeks. Say, let, let's, let's jump into it right here with this next one. The Eagles, they just get blasted by the Niners. They play the Cowboys next. They have a, they don't have an easy schedule on the stretch either. 
Mm-mm. The Eagles are not going to win the NFC East. It'll be the Cowboys. Do you? Do you? Are you? Is that an overreaction to say right now? So I actually kind of think the Cowboys are a better team. I went back watched that game. Like watching that game, the Eagles won twenty eight twenty three. They should have won the game. Eagles. They should have. They had a couple things that you know, just weird small things or penalties that whatever. Um, they're playing them again this week. And the Cowboys, these have, these have been Dallas's scores when they've played in Dallas, which is where the game's going to be this Sunday. 30 to 10, 38 to 3, 43 to 20, 49 to 17, 45 to 10, and 41 35. So, I mean, offensively, the least amount of points that they've scored in a home game is 30, and that was against the Jets, who have a good defense. I think the Cowboys are going to beat the Eagles this week, okay. which would then put both teams at 10 and 3 Correct. on the season. Yep. From there, it becomes Dallas would have at Buffalo, at Miami, versus Detroit, and at Washington. That's pretty That's tough. That's a tough finish to the season. That is pretty tough. They could easily go 2-2 two and two there. Maybe they go 3-1. and one. Philadelphia is at Seattle, versus the Giants, versus the Cardinals at the Giants. <laughs> That's a much easier schedule, is it not? So, I guess I would You're still, still lean, buying it, though? I would still lean the Eagles to win the division just because of the schedule, but wow. I— in the spirit of, I think the Cowboys are the better team, I'll say not an overreaction. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Saints. I, I hate that we even have to talk about the NFC South because it's an abomination. It's an affront to everything in the, in society. I mean, it's just absurd. But the Saints, man, they have a guy on their team that I am begging to play. Jameis Winston. If the Saints had played Jameis Winston the whole season... They would be easily winning the NFC South right now. Mm. Well, the is NFC no, South is that, stinks. Is that an overreaction? Hmm. Okay, let's work through this because I want to get there because I, I love watching. I mean, how could you not? Society, right? it, dude, I keep thinking of that meme of like the picture, like society if, and I was like, society if Jameis Winston was the starting was the starting quarterback in the NFL. Everything would be right in the world. So It would just feel right. Jameis came in at the end of the game. Derek Carr's injured. And honestly, we might get a chance to see Jameis from, from here because I think he said he had a concussion, which is like his second of the month. And he had a rib injury or something. Ow. Jameis came in. He went two for five for 41 yards. So that doesn't jump off. Came in but late, that's though. such a small sample size. And, yeah. You know, you're, you're coming in without any reps, anything like that. So, whatever. Um, Against Minnesota, when he got more time, 13 of 25, 122, two touchdowns, two picks. That's not great. <laughs> Green Bay, 10 of 16 for 101. That's solid. Now, Derek Carr this year is 22nd in the NFL in total QBR. He's been, at 47.7. He's been not very good. He is two spots Saints behind fans, your guy, Russell Wilson. Saints fans despise him. Wait, what did you say about Russell Wilson? He's only two spots in front of Derek Carr on total QBR. <laughs> Russell Wilson is no longer low-key cooking. <laughs> Bad game. Three picks. Um, Derek Carr has not been very good this year. Uh, he's been bad. But sure he's been James the best Winston's quarterback better. in the NFC South still, I think. I said, well, Ritter is 24th, Carr's 22nd, Bryce Young's 28th. What am I missing? Um, Baker. Oh, Baker's 19th. So, actually, Baker. Okay. That's okay. insane that all four quarterbacks are 19th or below. Dude, that's the worst division of all time. No, you know what? I'm, I'm not willing to go there. I, I want Jameis to play because it's definitely more entertaining. But they wouldn't be in first? Or they wouldn't for sure win the division? Even if he was playing better than Derek Carr, I don't think it'd be by a lot. So they probably have the same record, if not like they're they're within a game of whatever they are now. They're either a game worse, same, or a game better, would be my assumption. I don't know. Derek Carr is like it's crazy. It's crazy how Derek Carr was like putting up good stats and doing good stuff 
Like, if he was just what he was with the Raiders for the Saints, they would be winning the division. But that's not happening. They're 5-7 <laughs> and seven right now. So, uh, I think yeah. a bit of an overreaction. All right. So, uh, something else that was in affront to everyone's eyes over the weekend. <laughs> the Chargers and the Patriots. Unfortunately, sadly, painfully, they played a game. Well, they did. I don't even know if you can call it a game. They, Six zero. They, they did something. They did something. They did play. They played six to nothing. The Chargers win. Let me ask you this though: You will be begging for that game in June, in July. You'll be begging for it. Um, I You'll think be on your knees mm-hmm. saying, "Please give me no. Chargers Patriots six no. zero. I will not. I will not. What? No, I will not. But see, I'm one of those people who like, like for instance, we were just talking about this in the break. This Thursday night football game is what Steelers Patriots. Where I do not have to watch. Like, some people. I don't know, man. Will watch every game. Every primetime game, they have to watch. Sometimes the football is so bad, it's good. It is. This is not one of those situations. Thursday, (laughs) you could convince me that ends up happening. (laughs) I don't expect uh, it to happen, but this was not one of those. I'm not one of those people. I would gladly rather watch, like, a movie or a TV show I like or something like that, or college basketball games on right now, where, like, in. I'd rather watch, like, a, a baseball game at that point. Like, yeah. You'll get a higher scoring NBA, Royals game than you will this NBA playoffs. You know? Yeah, exactly. So like, I'm not one of those people that I just I would have to watch. This okay. is not one of those games. Now, some people it will be. This is the uh, play-by-play chart for the game, <laughs> or the drive chart. Punt, punt, fumble, punt, 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 field goal, punt, 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 field goal, end of half, punt, 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 downs, punt, downs, end of game. <laughs> I didn't. I honestly, I didn't even know that the Chargers scored all six points in the first half. I didn't even know that. Two field goals, <laughs> dude. That's so bad. That that is that is that, yeah, insane. I mean, I, that, somehow that won up to the Big Ten West. <laughs> I don't even know how. Dude, Iowa possible. would have loved that game. Yes. Who would Iowa and the Patriots just finish zero zero? I don't know. What the real question is: Would Iowa and Florida State with Brock Glenn finish zero mm, zero? Yes, one hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> They'd still be going right now. They'd be in like the twelfth overtime. See, that, but see, that's what I want to know overtime. is like. If it's 0-0, zero, zero, would they just eventually get to the point where it's two-point conversions? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Jeez. That's brutal. I kind of want to watch that, though. Honestly. You're All right, so if we didn't go over this segment, so you're going to have to explain this to me a little bit. What do you want? You want me to overreact here or something? Yeah, so I wanted to add a, an uh, overreaction to the overreactions. Okay. I want you to pick your fraud of the week. Fraud be a player, coach, the- team. So, But I, I have a okay. rule of this. I don't think you can be a fraud if you're like two and ten. Okay, you're just bad. I know. I get it. Yeah, no, right? I'm with you. Yeah. So it has to be somebody who they don't necessarily have to be a playoff team either. Like it could be a six and six team as long as they're in contention. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, this week I think it's got to be the Steelers, right? Lose the at Cardinals. home and you just get absolutely dominated by the Cardinals. I mean, plus there's like lightning delays and all that crap and who you know whatever, just getting dominant. Deontay Johnson's doing. Fortnite dances or whatever the hell, he, whatever the hell his celebration was with two fans in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Steelers are the fraud of the week for sure. This week. All right, that's your fraud of the week and your NFL overreaction. We should get that sponsor. We should be. Yeah. Would you like to sponsor fraudulent? Dude, no. Honestly, think about get, like it. We get like a security company. See, that's you know? what I'm saying. Yeah, we could Cyber get like, security a, like company. You know, you know, like LifeLock. Yeah, LifeLock. LifeLock's fraud of the week. Uh, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two hours down, one to go. More KU football bowl game, KU basketball talk next. 
Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to get to some uh, KU men's basketball Bill Self audio from after UConn and some Lance Leipold audio after they were announced to the Guaranteed Rate Bowl coming up later in the hour here. And once again, KU is playing in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl against UNLV. We mentioned that earlier, too, that UNLV's quarterback, who is the Mountain West freshman of the year, is transferring out of the program. So they'll be down one more kind of uh, from that standpoint here. And KU comes into the game. I mean, they're a uh, double-digit favorite right now, depending where you look. I, I think right now it's at 11.5 for the game, but it, uh, I saw one side had it at like 13. I, I think that line will move up even more after the quarterback news with UNLV. Obviously, it'll be interesting to see who plays quarterback for Kansas in the guaranteed rate poll. I mean, it's going to be Jason Bean. You think so? What, yeah. what about Jalen Daniels? No, I, I feel pretty confident it'll be Jason Bean. Uh, at this point, I mean, I don't – I just don't see why you would even start Jalen Daniels at this point. It's Jason Means last game. He's been the man at the helm leading you for the last Okay, let me clarify. Let me clarify. Almost. I agree with you. Jason Means will start. I, I don't know. Maybe that's how I turned the question. Will Jalen Daniels play? Oh. Mm, I guess maybe he could. I don't know. Like, could like especially if, if Kansas gets up, you know, at halftime. But see, again, then I think you circle back to why even risk putting him back out there. With Jalen? Yeah. I think it Why would be important for him, for the fan base, to see him on the field doing live things in action and, and having positive play at the end of the year. You know, sometimes Maybe. this happens in uh, baseball. Like, uh, Frankie Montas is a pitcher for the New York Yankees. A good pitcher. He was at the A's, traded to the Yankees, all-star level pitcher. And uh, he was, like, injured. He, he had an arm injury. They, they, like, pitched him, I want to say, in, like, the last game of the season. Or maybe Noah Syndergaard did this at one point. Hmm. Just to show that you were there that you were able to play for the start of the next season. Oh, and and I, I think, I mean, there, there is an NIL aspect to that too. Like more NIL money comes in if the kid's playing, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then there's another aspect to it for me, which is just like, okay, even if you do get hurt again, now you have nine months till the next season starts, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it makes sense to give Jason Bean the nod. I think he's kind of owed that. Let him start. But, like, maybe you mix Jalen Daniels in here or there. Maybe you give him a drive. He's good. Maybe you, if you get a big, you give him a second half or a fourth quarter I'm, or something. I'm honestly, I'm opposed to any of that, to be honest. I think it should be. You just want Jason Mean all I way. think it should be Jason Mean the whole way, yeah. Okay. That's, that's what I think. Right, right now, at least. Well, that game is going to be on December 26th in Arizona. It'll be 8 o'clock Central Time, so pregame will start at 6.30 right here on KLWN. And over on uh, 105.9 KISS, it'll start at 7.30 with kickoff at 8 o'clock. Uh, KU took down UConn on Friday night in basketball. Let's get to our KU basketball takeaways, starting here. Biggest positive from KU's win over UConn. Dude, the biggest positive for me, which I've I've already talked about uh, quite a bit, is that, dude, Kevin McCuller is that dude. He is that guy, and he's proven that he can be that guy, right? When you look at this Kansas team. You are that guy, pal. Hunter Dickinson, Hunter Dickinson obviously draws all the attention and everything, but I've said it. I thought Kevin McCuller was the most important guy on the team, and I think he went out and proved it against UConn, and I think he proved that he can be – that reliable player that, that KU will need to lean on. Because, again, Dickinson's going to get all the attention, but if Kevin McCuller is playing like that at a very high level, plus Dickinson, I don't see many teams having I don't see many teams having, having success slowing down Kansas. So that I, I was really, really impressed with, with his play, and, and it's clear that he's elevated his play to another level, and, which is fantastic to see. Uh, and so that's my biggest positive, is that he, he showed that in a big game, in a clutch game, he is that guy. Hit some huge threes late. Very, very impressive stuff from Kevin McCuller. And I'm, I'm really happy for him because, you know, when you make the decision to come back 
from after being in the draft, this is exactly what you hope to happen, right? And it, and it has happened for him so far. So, Yeah, that that is a really cool side note of this, that he could be a first-round draft pick at the end of this. And, and I guess that's important from the, uh, I guess if you're into histories type of thing, where every national champion since, what was it, like 1980, was it 86 that Indiana won it all? a first-round draft, first draft pick. And uh, even that and, Indiana team, he would have been a first-round draft pick if you, he went like 28th. It's just at the time there were less teams. And it doesn't seem like El Marco's nope. possibly going to be living up to that hype that he had previously. So Kevin's so. your top option, you know? I would think so, yeah. Johnny Furphy? <laughs> I mean, what would Furphy have to do to be a first-round pick? I, I don't know. Average 12 a game the rest of the year, dunk on a bunch of people, shoot 40% yeah. He'd have to have three. a lot of Defense looks good. He'd have to have a lot of highlight yeah, he would. Yeah. And Kansas would have to win the national title for to, to get that helium on that. Uh, honestly, my, my biggest positive is that, like, okay, the bench as a whole, the five through nine as a whole, clearly this was not a game for them. You basically played a six-man rotation. Parker Brown played two minutes, Nick Timberlake played two minutes, and uh, Jamari McDowell didn't play. But the fact that Bill Self was able to feel like he trusted El Marco Jackson that much, 32 minutes of play, six points, four rebounds, two assists, one steal, not his best game. Those numbers don't jump off the page. He had four turnovers. He had the bad one to KJ, but he made that big play recovering back from it as a freshman. That's so important, responding to adversity. And he goes back and, and gets them the ball with the strip down on, I think it was Diara making the drive there. Uh, so knowing that he could trust him there. Uh, for him, Furphy coming and hitting two huge threes. I mean, the second one, when they were down 52-47, to 47, was such an important shot. I, I think that's important that he's at least, that Bill Self is at least establishing trust with Maybe it's not everyone. Well, maybe it's not as many guys as you like, but at least a couple of them. I do have a question, though. Yes. Was the El Marcos situation, like him playing that much, was that more about Bill Self trusting him more, or was it more about El Marco was the guy that tr Self felt like could actually handle the moment the most? And so it's not about trust. It's just about, well, I've only got four different guys I can pick from, and he's the one that seems best suited yeah, to handle already. I, I think there is a tinge of that in that maybe it gives you a slightly longer leash, but, I mean, if if that was always the case, like, why in the Tennessee game is El Marco only playing, like, 22 minutes and Jamari's playing 27, you know? Like, why wouldn't have Jamari McDowell even come out there for one try to see how he did, right? Um, going back to the idea that we heard from Bill Self today, and we'll give you that audio tomorrow, and he said that Nick Timberlake messed up three things on the scouting report in the two minutes he was in. They pulled him. I don't think El Marco's playing 32 minutes if he's messing things up on the scouting report. Like, I think that's what it is at the very least, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what is your uh, biggest negative? Hmm, biggest negative was... Gosh, I mean, the free throw shooting was good, and then it was kind of bad late. I don't know if that's my biggest negative, though. I mean, before KJ hit the last two, they were at 66.7%, which, again, was even slightly below their average, which was already in the They were good early, 200s. though. They were yes. really good early. Yeah, Kevin, I think, started like 4-4. Four, four they were really bad. And then KJ salvaged it at the end there. Mm -hmm. So is that my biggest negative? Uh, maybe. I mean, I still think Could it's a negative. the bench? Yeah, I still think it's a negative that you're playing six-man rotation, even in a game like that. I still think that's a negative. No, I, I agree with you. Um, I think that would be up there. The other one I could get to might be like Dewan shooting the basketball. I guess he was one of seven. You were hoping yeah. he was going to be more aggressive, and he was, he more, was aggressive, more aggressive. It just wasn't. And going the shots in. he was taking, I I didn't feel like they were all bad shots. No, so I I don't know. What they to just think weren't of that. falling. Uh, maybe you continue to not be able to force turnovers. 
UConn only had eight turnovers. That's been kind of a theme this year. So I'll say free throw shooting just because that irks me okay. to no end. What was the biggest neutral? Honestly, in general, Dewan Harris was probably the biggest neutral. He only yeah. won one of seven, but like you said, none of them were like bad shots. He had six assists, two rebounds. Like it was a fine game for Dewan. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like yeah. good or bad. Um yeah. rebounding? Like UConn so beat what you- did what did UConn finish shooting from three in the game? Uh they were eleven of twenty eight. That's thirty nine percent. Could three point shooting be the biggest neutral here, you think? I mean you shot sixty four percent on threes. But just in terms of volume. I I guess that could be it. See, rebounding for me, okay, they had 32 rebounds, you had 31. They did beat you on the offensive glass, 10 to 5. That was a strength for them coming in. They were one of the, the best teams in the country on rebounding both ends. You had kind of struggled at it. Yeah. So you still kind of were worse at rebounding than them. But because it was such a strength for them, maybe it's a neutral? I feel like we'd be remiss without mentioning the atmosphere of Allen Fieldhouse. Oh, that I would mean, be that a biggest like, positive, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I guess we could have. I should have thrown that in there. Yeah, because uh, I didn't want to bring that up. I mean, top five atmosphere at Allen Fieldhouse in the last. Bill Self said years. it was as good as as he. I mean, he didn't say the other years. ones that it was as good as, but certainly I the mean, one. You go back to Missouri. 20, I mean, the Missouri in twenty twelve. I've heard a lot of people say the one against Ohio State in. I think it was the eleven twelve season, so it would have been in twenty eleven when they of, played. I believe a game that I was there for was Baylor twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Baylor was like two, Kansas was three. Baylor had missed the last second field. That was yeah. a really good one for me. Me personally, uh, I, I remember, remember that one personally. I remember the KU Kentucky game in twenty sixteen when they unveiled the rules of basketball, and then the the KU Oklahoma triple overtime game. That was sixteen, I think, too. Yeah, those ones are up there. I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, Allen Fieldhouse is a special yeah, place. I mean, a special There's place, a lot to choose from, right? Yeah, really. Uh, really for, for you know, people who are of a different age than us, I, I know there's probably somebody screaming at the radio saying the KU-Indiana game in the <laughs> non-con, which is honestly funny because we had Brian Haney on with us last week, yeah. and that was in the 90s, where Jacques, Jacques Vaughn hits the, the game-winning shot. And uh, Brian was saying for me, he, he was saying that this UConn game, non-con game in December, could, could, could be, be for the next generation yes. what that Indiana game was yeah, for him. Some other 14-year-olds. Yeah. Because the, like the story goes in that Indiana game that when the buzzer sounded, you couldn't even hear it. That's how loud it was. So that one would, you know, and obviously there's so many others that, that would go up there. But, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good thing to point out. All right, what is the uh, KU play of the game? Hmm, KU play of the game. Gosh, I mean, there's a couple of Kevin McCullough threes I think you could throw in there. Johnny Furphy hit some threes. Uh I I probably have to go with one of the Kevin McCullough threes late. I think probably. Yeah, he had uh, three threes in the second half, right? Yeah. And, I mean, okay, so the the Furphy three was when they were down fifty two to forty seven. His second three was when they were down fifty two forty seven. That was an important shot because at that point you had only scored nine points in like a, I don't know, it was, it was a while, like twelve minutes of of gameplay or something like that. So that was that that was good to get you out of that rut. Uh, the first Kevin three, I think, put you. In front by one. The second one puts you up four. The third one puts you up from 63-60 to 66-60, where it felt like it was going to put the game away, but then they tightened it again because you kept fouling. Honestly, that could have been biggest negative, too. Fouling three-point shooters. KU fouled yeah. the three-point shooter, what, three times? Yeah. Twice, I think, Tristan Newton. Um, Newton was flopping, though. Yeah, sure. Flopping. I, I thought, the, yeah. Um the Hunter Dickinson three was big in there too. What about KJ Adams? The last two free throws. Yeah, 
I mean, obviously very significant. He had both, given the fact that he had not been great from the line, certainly. Not been and you look at the the off the court stuff that that he's been dealing with. Yeah. And you add in that, you know, if you even just make one out of two, they have a chance to yeah. tie it. Yeah. You make both, it puts the game out of reach. And on top of it, if any of the fans bet on Kansas minus three and a half, he double won it for you. Yeah. Yeah, he really did. I'm going KJ, both free throws. Okay. There we go. What's your pick? For play of the game? Yeah. I'm going with the Kevin McCoy three. For Which sure. one? From uh, 66-60, the second one. Okay. That would have been the third one. Third one. Yeah. In the half. Yeah. But he hit two in succession. Yes. So the second of the succession. Oh, the second. That's the one that made it 58-54. What the? Wait, 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 what? Am I not remembering right? No, you're not. So they were down 54-52. Okay. He hit the big three, does the big celebration. It's 55-54. They're up. Then he hits another one. Then he hits another one, 58-54. Gotcha. Then Hunter Dickinson hits a three. So it's now 61-54. They climb back, make it 63-60. Kevin hits the... The 63-60 one was the one from the corner where... Johnson, their their big man, came out and nearly blocked it, and Kevin, it was a rainbow three and I'll, launched I'll still it. go with that one. Okay. I'll still go with that one. All right, that's our uh, KU basketball takeaways. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to get to some Bill Self audio and some Lance Leipold audio coming at you the remainder of the show. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter, RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.